Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. Hopefully you're all having a really good week and staying safe wherever you're tuning in. It's been another busy few weeks at PDP. We've recently launched a new update to the website to make the user experience even better and a new and improved search function is also on the way. PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright held another members-only Zoom call over the weekend and we had some great engagement with members on a range of topics there. Look out for more members interaction via Zoom and we've also got some really exciting webinars coming up with some top guests through August and September. Content-wise, we've released a huge number of resources recently and that includes a great masterclass discussion with FFA Coach Development Manager Sean Douglas. We also recently hosted National Goalkeeper Coach at the FA Yilmaz Aksoe for a brilliant webinar on developing goalkeepers. The replay of this is now available on the site. Our latest Q&A video with myself and Dan Wright also hit the website recently and we discussed how we can plan a technical or tactical theme for our players. On top of this, PDP coaching advisor James Coots has just released a really good blog sharing some of his favourite passing and receiving practices. This article hopefully provides some inspiration that you can apply in your own environment and as always with any sessions we encourage you to adapt them to the needs of your players. Our latest piece of content is featured on today's podcast. We share an excerpt of our latest masterclass discussion with Technical Director at Football New South Wales in Australia, Warren Grieve. Now for context, this was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, but there are still lots of fantastic pieces of advice in here for coaches. It was a real pleasure to talk coaching with Warren and we dived into a range of topics from formal courses, creating environments, as well as his experience completing his AFC Pro license and much more. The full discussion is available on the website now. Lastly, a reminder that you can sign up as a PDP member at playerdevelopmentproject.com and remember we're still offering a free 30-day trial for new members. Head to the website, set up an account on either a monthly or annual subscription and you'll get access to our massive library of content and you'll be able to join our interactive Slack community to share ideas and ask questions. Thanks for tuning in today. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Masterclass discussion. Today I'm very excited to be joined by Technical Director at Football New South Wales down in Australia, Warren Greve. Warren, how are you? Very well, thank you. Great to have you on board and looking forward to a very interesting conversation today. So Warren, obviously in your role at the moment, you are Technical Director of arguably the biggest state in Australia in terms of state football. Um, so can you explain to us a little bit about, I guess, how that system works and uh, I guess the key focuses of your role and, and what your day-to-day -day looks like? Yeah, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, there's never enough time. Uh, yeah, so it's an extremely big role. Uh, as, it, as you've mentioned, it's the, the biggest state in the country and probably the most registered players um, within mm. New South Wales as well. Just shy of 300,000 players um, in total. Uh, the way that it operates here in New South Wales, we actually have 32 associations and then 48 NPL clubs. Um, so within that, you have various levels of football from grassroots to more uh, advanced football. Uh, much the same as yourself, I, I don't like to call it elite football as such. It's still very much amateur football, but it's moving in the right direction, more that semi-professional, mm. I guess. So the day-to-day -day, uh, run-ins of it is two spearheads still very much in relation to Football Federation Australia. 
in the fact that we have coach development and play development. And then myself, I have a coach development manager and a player development manager uh, to look after each spearhead. And then I pretty much helicopter over the top of that and drop into both. So it's not a 50-50 split, depending on what we've got going on throughout the calendar year. I will then lend myself to one of those spearheads as we go in the off-season. Predominantly, it's in coach development, uh, pre and post. And then during the season, you're then working uh, more on the ground with the clubs, uh, day-to-day operational training, match and management. Really, really broad role. And, and I know you've been in that position for sort of 18 months or so. But before we dive into that a little bit more, let's rewind and talk about your journey a little bit. Obviously, you're in the senior position. Uh, fantastic to see the growth of the game, particularly in New South Wales and the volume of players who are registered. But where did you sort of come from in terms of your background and, and your journey towards this position? Yeah, bizarre. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a very, very interesting journey. I've actually been here, again, just shy of 12 years in Australia, um, originally from the, from the UK. Uh, I actually came over after having a knee reconstruction um, and decided to just take a bit of time out and do a bit of rehab. I've got family that uh, are living in Western Australia. No one had ever been out to Australia before. It was an opportunity for me to come out, um, do some traveling, like I say, do a bit of rehab. I was here in, I landed in Perth uh, 2008 and never went back to the UK. Uh, and I've now got an Australian passport, believe it or not. So, yeah, Brilliant. incredible. <laughs> and so as, as part of that journey, I mean, how did it evolve in terms of your own coaching? I mean, were there, did you sort of get involved with teams and clubs initially and then work your way into the state or representative stuff? Yeah, so before I was working at an academy back in the UK, I was working for Stevenage FC. Um, and when I actually came over to Australia, I started to do a little bit of research just to find out what the landscape of football was like. I, I was completely naive, had no idea where football was at, uh, had no idea about the A-League. Um, so when I came over, did a bit of research and then started to understand um, the, the transition from NSL into the A-League and then the member federations around the country that then support the Charter of Football Federation Australia. Um, I, I touched base with Perth Glory in the first instance, um, and then they put me in touch with Football West. I was uh, at Football West doing bits and pieces, uh, doing a bit of futsal, doing a bit of school stuff, and it, it was literally just to get a taste and be in and around the football scene. And after 12 weeks, I was offered a, a four-year sponsorship and have never really looked back. And I started off as a senior development officer there. Um, I took the, the state teams, under-13s, under-14s. I then worked in the NTC with Kenny Lowe. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, I was there for four and a half years before Han Berger, the then technical director, asked me if I would be interested in doing a technical director or applying, sorry, for the technical director role in the ACT. Mm -hmm. um, and it was more professional development. Uh, yeah. I, I never expected to be successful in getting that role, um, but I, I was. Um, and then I made the decision to move from WA to Canberra. Um, and it was like moving back to the UK in terms of the <laughs> yeah. weather, readjusting to the climate <laughs> in, in, in Canberra. Um, but it gave me a platform, in all honesty yeah. with you, that if I hadn't have done that and made that jump or that leap of faith at that time, I certainly wouldn't be in the position that I'm currently in now. 
Yeah, look, it sounds interesting and it's testament to a lot of the guests that we get on the uh, Player Development Project Masterclasses and, and people we get on the podcast as well as to the graft. And we talk about the nonlinear journey for players and the ups and downs of youth development, but it's the same for coaches, isn't it? I mean, I know a couple of coaches who come through Stevenage and other people have worked at some of those smaller clubs and gone on to work at top clubs in the UK or take jobs abroad similar to yourself. And I think it just shows that if you put yourself in those positions, then things will happen if you work hard enough. So certainly sounds very interesting. Now, look, obviously you've cited the fact that you had a lot of exposure to the, I guess, the landscape of Australian football. Myself having come back from the UK after spending some time up there and then seeing how it progressed after a few years away. It is a complex landscape. And I often, personally, I compare it a little bit to America with the size of the country, the state-by-state federations, and I guess the complexity that that big geography brings. But for you, given your exposure to the, the football uh, environment or landscape in Australia, what do you believe some of the biggest challenges uh, that are there for youth coaches, either working at grassroots level or the game as a whole, in terms of cultural challenges or, or big hurdles which need to be overcome? Yeah, I, I think you've you said it there. It's, it's just such a big country and it's not a country, it's a continent. And, and that in itself is probably the biggest challenge is that um, when FFA embarked on the journey of actually releasing the national curriculum, um, it was very much just set as a platform and a foundation because there was mm. nothing. Um, and that in itself to then spread that word to get the key messages from that particular document out into the football community is certainly a challenge. And then, like you say, because there are so many people um, that come from different countries, have different backgrounds, come from different cultures, uh, and more often than not, they've come from overseas where football is the number one sport to come into Australia, where it pretty much, in terms of participation, yes, number one, but in terms of the competing against other codes, it's, it's probably a little bit lower down in the pecking order. So um, from, a, from a funding point of view, it, it's very challenging. It, it, again, we are completely different in the way that we're funded as a sport in comparison to the likes of NRL or AFL. And therefore, there's lots of challenges that coaches then have of one, just having an opportunity to go in, even at grassroots level, and they have to really work and put in the hard yards to get themselves even recognised first and foremost as a coach. And then once they've done that, jobs in football here in Australia are just few and far between. So it's one thing to actually get yourself into that position. It's another thing then to stay in there and really kick some goals and, and make it a passion and a drive. And if you, if you do love the sport, you, you probably, it's not going to ever be the biggest paying sport for you. Um, but certainly I would like to think I, I, I've proven that you, you can carve a career out of here. If you, you are dedicated, you have that drive and that willingness to actually put yourself in some difficult situations and set yourself outside of that comfort zone at times. Yeah, certainly is a challenge. And there's a lot of hardworking Australian coaches out there doing great things in the youth environment. I mean, we talk about some of the challenges. What for you are some of the big pluses in terms of what's happening in Australian football, particularly in that youth development space at the moment? I, I fully believe that the, the curriculum has been a good thing. Um, and if nothing more, it started to pose questions and people are starting to actually have conversations around, well, what does football look like? Um, mm. I, I think it was a uh, not not a problem or an issue, but once that when the curriculum was actually released in 2012, and at that time, um, Rob Kelly and Han were very much the key drivers of putting the document together. And then, unfortunately, they all 
left for other opportunities um, at the same time. And therefore that document's pretty much just sat for a while and it didn't really get out into the greater football community. So the ones that were close to FFA from a member federation point of view were fully over it. But then when you actually went deeper down into to grassroots, you could definitely see that it, the, the key messages weren't being delivered um, and, and, and potentially it, it was getting lost in translation. Um, uh, and the, I mean, we have identified now that, that there are some gaps in the curriculum, but it was only ever intended as a, a foundation. Um, and that's been a, a huge plus for myself, certainly, to keep driving those spearheads of coach development and player development um, and, and building the layers and, and showing just how far we've come from a youth development point of view in particular. Um, I think we've come a very, very long way. And mm. uh, if you take it as from the, the stages of development, skill acquisition phase, the, the current Joeys uh, that have just competed in the, in the World Cup are probably the first crop of players that have come through that full under nines all the way through into the under 17s now. And what I'm, I'm hoping that we'll start to reap the rewards of players going through those, those programs and, and mm. those uh, systems through those stages of development. Yeah, it sounds, sounds good. And I know with Rob Sherman, obviously, back at the helm as the technical director at FFA, he's sort of come full circle and his remit is really around that youth development space as well. So obviously, combined with the national body in the States, there's a lot of work going in there to continue to improve things. Warren, just on some of your experience, we, we always like to shed light, I guess, on some of the uh, qualifications that coaches tuning in might be aspiring to do. Now, you've actually attained your AFC Pro license. Uh, obviously, a, a very high level of qualification to get to your pro license stage in your own coaching journey. So, a fantastic achievement. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience on the course, some of the challenges you faced while doing it, and I guess some of the key things you took away from completing that? Yeah, uh, having come from the UK, I've, I've been through the, the UEFA system, um, level the, the level two, UEFA B, UEFA A. Um, and then when I came to Australia, I had to convert over to AFC to be able to mm. coach. Um, and then that then allowed me to actually jump onto the A licence in the, in the first instance. And I actually did my A licence. It seems an absolute age ago now. <clears throat> But um, thoroughly enjoyed it and bought into it. And that's what really gave me yeah. a taste. Um, the, the, the coach education that was actually happening in this country is absolutely unreal. And, and it gave me a real taste and a, and a, and a hunger to want more. Um, which then, uh, so that really then pushed me to go towards my, my pro um, diploma. And the course itself uh, w was, yeah, it was a real eye opener. Um, and, you, and you talk about adult learning, obviously the, the 10%, 20% and 70%, but what the pro diploma actually gave me was a real understanding of what it means about that 70% on the job in your own environment. So taking away the stuff that you learn from the formal learning on course, there was four uh, components in total. Uh, we, we actually followed the, the Socceroos um, and we followed the A-League clubs, uh, Socceroos through their World Cup qualification, uh, yeah. a, a week in Perth, a week in Melbourne, a week in Sydney and a week in Canberra. Um, and each uh, component was very much centred around the coach expertise model. When you do your A license, it's considered that's you developing your vision and philosophy and then bringing your football knowledge, developing that training match and management and then when it came to the pro you're going more uh yeah you're still there's still an emphasis on the match uh the training and the match but it's more manage self manage others 
Uh, and that really was an eye-opener for me that uh, when I went away and through self-reflection and, and actually digging a little bit deeper and looking at the blind spots, etc., it just completely changed my world as to who I actually thought I was <laughs> compared to what people actually thought of me, both as a coach and a coach developer. Sure. Um, and it really turbocharged my learning. I did that in 2016. And it's uh, looking back now, and I know that all coaches say it, uh, if you, I, I cringe up when I look back as to who I was five or six years ago to where I actually am now. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the course. And ironically enough, I think the pro diploma is just completing this week. Um, yeah. For for that for that new intake, and again, that shifted even further more from when I did mine. And it's very sure. much on manage self, manage others, and the Australian Sports Commission supporting that course as well on on leadership and what it takes to be an effective and good leader. Yeah, look, it's fantastic to see that vulnerability in terms of you accepting that you've changed and, and that self-reflection piece is so important. We often encourage it within the PDP community to constantly reflect on what you're doing. And, and, and of course, we all look back and think about sessions we put on or things, messages we might have delivered and cringe a little bit because it's all learning moments, isn't it? And I think that acceptance that we don't have all the answers is so <clears> critical in our development. I mean, do you, having walked away from that, what were some of the things that you felt were real personal changes, either the way in the way you de uh, delivered sessions or the way you supported coaches with their development? Were there a couple of key learnings that you could share with us there that you really sort of walked away with from that reflection? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when having moved from WA to Canberra, I was, I was very, very fortunate that uh, both Kelly and Rob, uh, Rob was at the coach development manager at the time, and all of the coaching, advanced coaching courses uh, were actually run out of the Australian Institute of Sport. So then I was put in a position whereby I was exposed to coach development as soon as I touched down in the ACT. And I was given the opportunity to, to follow the likes of Kelly and, and Rob around. But in the first instance, and you don't realize it at the time, but you, you are watching uh, them and how they actually deliver. You see their personality they bring onto courses and then see that the way that they coach and them using that uh, as a platform you then indirectly potentially start to mimic them and try mm -hmm. to be like them because that's what's seen as, as, as the best. And uh, what I learned very, very quickly was is that you still have to be yourself. So it's one thing to actually know the content and believe in what you do, whether it be as a coach, or whether it be as a coach developer, but you still have to have your own personality and you have to be to willing to, to put that sprinkle of personality into everything that you do on the day to day. And that was the real eye opener for me, I guess, especially from a self reflection point of view. And uh, understanding individuals as well, I, I certainly went into, and I look back at now from my coaching days, early coaching days, I coached uh, a collective and it was all about the team because it's a team sport mm. and I neglected uh, and I learned this very, very quickly that if you don't cater to the needs of the individual, you're never going to get a strong collective team. And uh, so again, that was something that I learned uh, very, very quickly as well. And, and again, from a coach development point of view, just because I learn in a certain way, that doesn't mean that the three people stood next to me are going to learn in exactly the same way as I do. Mm. So actually uh, taking time to understand what the individual's needs and wants, whether it's a coach or a player, has uh, armed me with some, some more tools in the toolbox to be able to support them on their journey now in the position I'm currently in.
Yeah, fantastic reflections. I, I can relate to that around the individual stuff as well. That was a huge shift for me going over to the UK for five years and being in those environments where it was very much about bringing individuals through within a team sport to try and, you know, uh, I guess, maximize the potential of every player. So very, very interesting insight. Now, look, in your own development, whether you're talking to coaches, presenting at conferences or in your day-to-day -day work, how important is it for you to seek knowledge from other codes or even other industries in terms of developing yourself as a person, a leader, or a coach? I mean, do you, is this something you look to do a lot? Yeah, 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 all the time. Um, I think I probably spent the first sort of 10 years uh, uh, personally being all about football. Um, and I'm just relating to this to the 12 years that I've been here, not the the other nine years or eight years of, of what I was doing back in the UK, but certainly here, 10 years has been just invested into football, going through the A licence, going through the pro licence. It was all about how to make myself better in football terms. And then again, going off the back end of the A and then going into the pro licence, actually seeking advice from other codes, uh, from other people and other individuals that were at a similar sort of level, but in a different code has given me uh, so much insight to actually see when we step outside of football, there's so much that we can actually gain to bring back into football. And that's not just other sporting codes, but other in, in the corporate world as well, actually speaking with people again, that are dealing with people on the day-to-day, -day, individuals and collective up on stage presenting, whatever it may be, but just tapping into what challenges they have. And it, it is, ironically enough, it would appear that it doesn't matter where you come from, whether it be the corporate world or the sporting world, it all appears that we have similar challenges. So then it's more, how do we lean on How do we lean on each other? Um, and, and, and probably the biggest recommendation would be is to, to find a mentor or, or a trusted uh, friend, but someone that you can be honest with and someone that will hold you accountable as well. And that's something yeah. I've tried to certainly bring in to, to Football New South Wales as well uh, with the team that we currently have. And the great thing about the team that I'm currently working with right now is, is they, they challenge me every single day. Um, and and I'm, I thoroughly enjoy that challenge of them asking me questions because I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly is interesting. This is the, the sort of complexity of dealing with humans, isn't it? I mean, I was lucky enough to record a masterclass recently with uh, Mark Upton and Jimmy Vaughan, our, our lead researcher here at PDP, and, and a lot of the conversation was around organisational culture and, and the fact that as adults we like to put sort of rigid or, uh, I guess, uh, linear approaches in place and linear models in place for people and that doesn't often sit well so certainly very interesting now look when it comes to practical advice for coaches again we love to tie these conversations uh, back for those coaches who are working out there on the grass with players at all levels when it comes to creating a top learning environment for young players uh, particularly those young players developing through their journey what do you believe to be some of the key ingredients in a good learning environment for them yeah uh, create an environment where it's fun that's it. <laughs> it makes sure that they enjoy it uh, first and foremost. You, you want them to come back to every single session. You want them to go away feeling enthused that they feel that they've actually, one, been challenged, but that they've accepted the challenge. And I think if you can create that environment where they want to be challenged and they know what they're at, but ultimately you know where they're at as well again i keep talking about individuals and then bringing that back to the collective what's mm. the goals and um, depending at the stage of development you're actually working in and i think that gets neglected as well at times that very much there's uh, youth coaches that are potentially working with nines tens elevens 
um, but they're actually coaching in a manner whereby they're treating them as 15, 16, 17 year olds. And if you don't understand where you're at in terms of that stage of development, um, it, it's going to be a hard road and an uphill battle for you for sure. So just, uh, yeah, again, make, making it fun, making it outcome based but understanding what the individuals you want from the individuals first and foremost, and then how do you just carve that environment so that they have a, a thoroughly enjoyable experience, but, but want to come back at 100%. Yeah, there's, there's certainly nuance to that age appropriate learning, which you touched on there as well. And just, you know, recognizing that these kids are here for a great experience as well as, you know, trying to, trying to develop and learn. So look, a question I think is quite a challenging one. It's actually one we've recorded a Q and a discussion with myself and Dan Wright, our technical advisor here at PDP. Dan was asked on his FA Advanced Youth Award over in the UK, what is coaching? And it's a very, very broad question. It's a challenging question for all of us as coaches to reflect on. I mean, if I was to put you on the spot and say, Warren, what is coaching? What would you sort of come back with as some key ideas that you could pass on to coaches just from your perspective? We uh, delivered an advanced coaching course last week. And it was funny that this, uh, you, the question comes up because we actually asked them the same question. We actually asked them mm. two questions. Um, and what if you had to name yourself? I have the one word to explain what you are as a coach, and then what is coaching to you. So if you took it as an acronym, and uh, this is, and I love doing it on courses now as well because mm. I steal people's ideas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but I, but I sat there and I actually got asked this. I get asked this question, and it's not until you actually take a step back and you have to really think about it. Uh, and I just come up with it's constantly observing, actively challenging habits in new games. So if I was to take coaching as an acronym and then break it down. But some of yeah. the answers is, is, is that's what we don't want to be doing. You, you're constantly observing. You're observing the athletes or the individuals that are in front of you. And you, you need to be actively challenging them and understanding where the bar is for them as individuals and collectively as a team. Are you able then to improve their habits and, uh, and taking potentially bad habits and converting them into to good habits where they're getting successful outcomes over and over again, but then setting an environment whereby there's no fear of failure as well. So then if you can do that in new games, fun games, but making the game the centre of everything that you actually do, to me, in a nutshell, that's what coaching is. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.